0: It's my Meredith Monday. Don't know what day it is for you, but stay with me and let's do this thing. Yep, I've started saying my Meredith Monday because it just kind of dawned on me that actually, you know, a lot of people are not listening to this on a Monday. Especially me being, you know, in New Zealand and New Zealand being kind of the first in the world to get the Monday. Um, probably most people are still on their Sunday night or whatever. But even if, um, it'd be pretty impressive if you're able to track uh, and be at the forefront of what's coming out. We're, we're producing a lot of content, so that's uh, you can give yourself a pat on the back if you're actually keeping up with us. Um, but... Uh, that's, that's another thing that, that comes to mind. It it was quite impressive to, I'm a little bit late today. If you are one of those people that are keeping up, you'll, you'll notice that I'm putting this out on Monday evening, not our usual sort of, uh, Monday morning crack of dawn. Um, and, uh, that is just because I missed Chris again and then it was father's day and oh my goodness, it all turned to baloney. Um, but, uh, I'm back in the saddle Monday, um, and better late than never, right? But what I would do, what I thought I would do is just, um, again, same sort of thing as we have been uh, doing on previous Mondays, and I'll just let that roll over onto Tuesday as well in that I'm just kind of really keen to take a little bit of ground and get over the, the frame client chapter Escondido thing. Um, I don't want to drop it halfway, but I want to kind of keep looking at it and uh, need the time to do it. And uh, it turns out these are the only real slots that I have. So I'm all too happy to just press on with that. Um, if you're into it, stay tuned, keep with me. Uh, if, if not, hey, just just give uh, give this episode a skip and get to uh, Wednesday where we'll um, change subjects. So um, here's where, where I'm at, though, in the client in the, um, frame kind of interaction. Uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm basically looking at the Escondido Theology, a, a book um, that was put out. Well, when was it put out? A while ago now. Um, <laughs> I should know the date to that, but um, just uh, concerning um, Frame's critique of two kingdom theology, which uh, I suppose at large. It was put out by uh, Whitfield Media Publications, which is kind of a, a kind of a quirky choice for for a publisher for for um, an author of the status of Frame. And um, and so yeah, it was just kind of interesting. Uh, it wasn't really well received and um and you know you can see why in the first few pages is a little bit of an outlash um i like i said before there's been there's been a lot of blog sort of interaction with it but not not a lot of scholarly interaction which is a bit of a letdown from the escondido side uh, or the the you know whether it be uh from escondido or just some other two kingdom theologian but you know again i understand it and um so i thought let me just take up the um, opportunity to look at it myself and uh, for any who are interested in Klein uh, anyway, which is uh, what this day is, is about, it just might be interesting to track with me through that and, uh, you know, who knows, you might even have that book or want to get that book uh, for whatever relevance that might have to you. It is, I suppose, to date the most focused critique um, and in that sense has some worth um, but you know, there are obviously more things to think about just, uh, you know, there are many, um, anti two kingdom, um, uh, books, but nothing that really deals with the, the, the undergirding exegesis of, uh, that Klein puts out, um, as the foundation for two kingdom theology as we see it now in the reform camp. So in that sense, yeah, it just, it ends up sort of filling a bit of a niche, this book and, and help, is a helpful way to just sharpen some iron, Um, or sharpened swords I should say Um, and uh, just just to see if if frame has any good points to consider I think that's a good thing Um, so where I ended off last time was just to basically uh, I think frame and Klein is uh, at least a frame as he's reading Klein has uh, understood the two atoms thing which um, I'm thankful for and uh, he, he gets that what you say about the one atom must come through on, uh, to the other atom, and that's going to be a, a sort of theological dynamic that you have to carry all the way through in your critique. Um, I've appreciated that he knows that and wants to deal with that and uh, lists that and, um, you know, is, is uh, helpful uh, for the person reading it in that regard. We've um, gone through both uh, the way that he critiques um, the idea of no grace before the fall uh to adam the first the first adam that is the adam adam and and, um and then we've seen also the way that he uh brings those same ideas in correspondent order to critique the last uh, the the idea of the uh, of there being no grace for the last adam and what we've seen is essentially um that he is you know it's kind of weird he's in agreement with klein when it really comes down to it uh, but wants to see the whole thing a bit more balanced, I suppose, is the easiest way to put it. And um, I suppose that does sync up a little bit with my commitment to read him as charitably as possible and to just uh, read him in the less, uh, the, not the less light, the best light. And um, and so in that regard, you know, just the tweaks that he wants to make, maybe he's seeing some excess and he wants to uh, just make sure there's some balance um, in terms of where he sees the Kleinian formulation possibly going. Um, but even so, you can't help but get a few, you know, just just points at which you go over that ledge and you feel like, wow, um, even with that in place and even with that sort of mindset uh, uh, set up, there's still something there that it's, it sounds like he just does not like those things that are not only basic to Kleinian um, formulations, but really just any old law, gospel formulation. And we, we've hit on some of those angles as well. Um, so sometimes i got to admit, it's a little bit tough um, to be charitable. Um, and I get why people aren't. So uh, with that in mind, let's press on. Um, I want to just, he rounds up, but in the roundup, there's a lot of info that I think would be useful just to cover uh, separately. So that's kind of why I've held off on just uh, saving this for a whole session, which we're doing right now. Um, To to, to quote him, he says, as Klein indicated in the material quoted earlier, so that's all the stuff we've uh, looked at, uh, the pactum is closely related to the covenant of grace. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the requirements of the pactum, and for that reason... He is able to save the elect by grace, apart from works on their part. Uh, For Klein, however, the covenant of grace includes not only the elect, as in the pactum, but the church, the community of the confessors of faith and their children, including others beside the elect. Um so where he's going with this is now stated the covenant of grace is made between christ as lord as a series of visible communities professing faith in him there are however people in those communities whose profession is insincere who do not belong to christ and who one day will be excluded from the covenant blessing for example in god's covenant with abraham and his family um, some were saved by grace through faith but others of abraham's descendants were rejected for their lack of faith um, same for the covenant mediated by Noah, Moses, uh, David, and the new covenant in Christ. So, all right. <laughs> it's, it, you know, why would he bring that up? Well, it's it's just one of those things you can bring up with Klein because it is somewhere way that he has differed from your standard um, formulations in Reformed theology with regard to covenant theology. And I think probably, Frames, just wanting to, notify people that Klein is not you know just in light in light of his greater mission to try and notify people that Klein is not exactly uh, your your standard sort of stuck in standard Reformed uh, theologian or covenant theologian uh, this is one of those things that, that makes him a little bit different um, but you know I, to me on that point I mean every single theologian you get into any single covenant theologian out there or reformed theologian in general you're always going to find some quirks it's just the way that it works so it's just a bit of a moot point at that re- at that at that level but he says the where he's going with this is that klein says that this is a an operational principle of grace in the covenant of grace versus you know the operational principle of of law but um but he's saying since since not all of those in the various covenants of grace or outworkings of that covenant of grace actually receive saving grace, it's kind of a bit disingenuous to, to say that. Um, now, you know, interestingly, I, I kind of agree with frame in, in that sense, um, because obviously I'm a Baptist, so uh, no problem in in seeing that there is an issue there. But I mean, I think this just falls right back in on frame because obviously he also practices infant baptism, and I don't think it cuts it simply to make some sort of, you know, a distinction between an internal and external covenant to get to get yourself off the hook there. I mean, uh, yes, as Klein himself pointed out to go as the traditional Reformed theologians have gone there on the covenant of grace, making it internal and external, really plays into the Baptist hand. Uh, Klein didn't want to go into that direction, to, into that um, uh, play into that hand, uh, to be fair. So that's why he, he came up with this. And um, it, it's probably a more solid, robust Presbyterian system in that regard. Um, but both systems fall prey to this issue, essentially. I mean, if you're going to call it a covenant of grace... And it's actually, you know, your kids are in it, but they might not actually make it. And then, you know, it's kind of giving you the the indication that, uh, you know, all the grace that we speak of in the New Testament is applied, you know, uh, to all in this covenant of grace, except not really, because, you know, they might still... Uh, you know turn away and you end up with a functionally exactly the same thing as the covenant works I don't know the whole thing's a bit of a mess in that regard so I feel like Baptist theology really cleans that up and um, and so hey one point for frame although that point then gobbles his own point up and uh, you know he ends up back with the zero and hey the Baptists are triumphant again (laughs) Um, just kidding obviously but It's just, uh, yeah, I'm going to put that one out there. Frame does bring it up. I don't think it's really that forceful um, and a little bit sort of uh, of a red herring in that regard. Um, But when we get back into the uh, issue at large, he says, we have seen that in the covenant of works, though merit plays an essential role, there is also unmerited favor. Right now, this is what we've been looking at. That is true of Adam in the pre-fall covenant. also true in the pactum for jesus uh, and his success in maintaining his perfect righteousness was due not only to his actions during his earthly ministry but also due to his nature and inter-Trinitarian fellowship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Um, so, you know, go back and look at those previous um, sessions if you if you are not sure about what I'm talking about there. But, um, you know, what we've said essentially is, yeah, amen, no problem, unmerited favor. Okay, as long as we're careful with that language. Uh, sure, you know, Adam wasn't born meriting the fact that he needed his heart to beat in order to breathe and you know uh, therefore uh, do good works according to the covenant of works Uh, yes it wasn't it wasn't earned Uh, it was unmerited in that regard Uh, fine if you want to use that language i personally don't like it because it's too slippery but that's not what i mean by grace anyway and that's not what klein means by grace anyway we mean demerited favor which is not just simply that you didn't deserve it but that you deserve something namely hell and you didn't get that, but you got uh, favor, and so that, of course, can't apply prior to the fall, and um, and that, of course, can't apply to Jesus. But in terms of what frames wanting to set up here with unmerited favor, um, yeah, again, wouldn't use the language, but okay, fine. Um, the real issue comes. Well, you know, I think two things. Number one, you have to just understand that that doesn't do anything to anything anyway. Even if you want to give that language away, it's it's semantic. It's you know whatever, but that's not the 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 crux of what Klein is saying. So, it's it's not going against what he's putting forward as an argument. If at best it's just, at best it's just balancing things out, making sure to add the point, making sure we're keeping that sort of thing in mind. Which you know fair enough, as we've said. At worst, it's 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 confusing things and it's going. It's sort of blurring the lines and moving into some, some zone that is trying to, to blur demerited and unmerited favor. But Frame does come along every now and again and go, Ah, oh, but at the end of the day, I do agree with Klein. So, you know, he gets himself off the hook like that. It, um, so I'll put him in the balance category so far. But in terms of the potential equivocation uh, that could occur, the same thing happens in his next statement. He says, in the covenant of grace... Grace is the sole ground of salvation, but works also play an important role as the evidence of saving grace and authentic faith in the life of of the believer. Uh, And we dealt with this again, wanted to just make sure that we said this uh, now in this roundup as well, um, because no one's arguing that point again. Uh, yes, it's true. There are works in every single covenant. And yes, everyone has to respond in obedience. No one's denying that point. But, but, you know, that's not what anyone's arguing. And so it doesn't topple any. So again, at best, it's just balance. What Klein is saying is, is, is that you either depend on the works that you produce for your salvation or principle of inheritance, or you, you, um, you know, you depend on the works of another that's a very different thing to say, um, and so it reminds me of um, I remember reading oh, a while ago a book uh, against dispensationalism. But he made a really good point. He goes, a lot of the books you read um, for or against, you know, either from the dispensational side or the the reform side, they'll um, they'll they'll talk past each other, or they'll talk in ways that overlap, and they'll beat around the bush. They'll they'll make this militant argument for something that actually the other person agrees with anyway um you know so for example just off the off the cuff here you know you'll have a, a reformed theologian trying to dis uh, a dispensational thing by saying hey um you know this is why reformed theology is right we believe in the sovereignty of god you know and then like year follows my next 900 you know pages on why reformed theology. Trump's dispensational theology because we believe in the sovereignty of God. I mean, all of course that needs to happen there on the other side is the guy just needs to say, "Yes, well, I believe that too." So, and they do. I mean, okay, some some dispensational theologians don't. That's fair enough, but a lot of them do, and there's nothing in the system itself that keeps them from believing in the sovereignty of God. And so the point is just moot. It's just doesn't really. It's not really efficacious in that sense, um, and so. You know what you have to do uh, to to really get at the system that you're talking about is to to find that sine qua non. Um, What's another cool French word? The uh, raison (laughs) d'être. You know, something like that. You have to get at the very essence of the thing. So, like, if we're talking about reformed and dispensational uh, theology, then you're looking at the church and Israel, right? Um, That's the area that you want to focus in on. If you've got another area, there's the danger that both agree in that area and you're kind of wasting your time. It's a good thing to be talking about, but not necessarily to to sort the issue out. So that's where we keep coming to with Fram. Uh, he wants to look at the Kleinian system, but he keeps on wanting to just sort of bring in this idea of, of the need for works. And it's all water off the Kleinian back <laughs> um, in that uh, no one's denying that. That's fine. That's totally cool. We're talking about the principle uh, of inheritance itself. Is it by your own works or is it by the works of another? And that's a very different thing. So just to kind of, you know, get to this, um, the nub of it here, Frame says, in the experience of the believer, the two kinds of covenants are actually rather similar. And he has here in mind the, the pre-fall versus post-fall uh, we recognize God's unmerited favor, which after the fall we may call grace, right? You see that. And the believer's works performed as the appropriate response to that favor. So he's saying, look at Adam in the garden. He didn't deserve his heartbeat and all the other stuff that makes him tick. And, you know, I mean, what is what is there to do but respond in, a, 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 you know, a works, um, a response of good works. Um, and, you know, we say amen to that, and then he goes, but look, look at the parallel, you know, after the fall, um, we receive grace, and obviously we need to respond with works, so look at the parallel, and again, we say, yeah, fine, there is a parallel there, but that's not the lesson we're even, you know, there is a kind of analogy, which is another subject, uh, because there is no analogy in saying that God gives something to his undeserved children, that's a pre-fall scenario, versus God giving something to hell-deserving, uh, something gracious, at least in kind, to hell-deserving rebels and usurpers, right? That that spells it out in such a way that brings out the demerited idea and it shows you actually they're very different. Um, and then not to mention the with the obedience thing, I mean, you really are talking about a different thing entirely when you say uh, not simply that both respond to grace by way of works, but that the one, as in Adam, before the fall needed to rely on works for his reward. Um, and after the fall, you know, we're we're not relying on our works for the principle of inheritance or the thing promised. Uh, it is based on the works of another. It's by grace alone. And so that's, that's night and day. So that's where it gets a little bit irritating and again, equivocating and, you know, the it's hard to, again, just it's hard to kind of stay committed to your, your resolve to read him charitably because it does get a little bit annoying at those points. You're like, well, that just seems disingenuous. But, again, just keeping from going to that dark place, let's, let's just go, okay, well, there we go. You know, it's, there is an analogy. We can, we can see what it is, but that's where the analogy ends. And that's why the point is not ultimately persuasive against anything Klein is saying. Um, he goes on to say, but the true distinction between the covenant of creation and the covenant of grace is that in the latter, God's favor comes through the atonement of Christ. What is crucial to the covenant of grace is not, as Klein's formulation suggests, a balance of works and grace seen in the abstract, but the specific character of grace, um, namely Jesus's uh, atoning death and resurrection. Um, And I think this might even get to the heart of what frame Uh, is not potentially not getting right Uh, so maybe he's not getting this point as he should because Klein's formulation doesn't see the distinction as lying in uh, a balance of works and grace in the abstract because that's kind of I think maybe frame feels like he has a point based on that you know, if he could just show how the balance is kind of all the same, pre-fall, post-fall, then maybe he, if the analogy exists, he kind of topples the Kleinian system. And so that would explain why he's talking about it this way. The like Klein's formulation is a balance of works and grace in the abstract. Uh, rather, um, again, you know, what Klein is talking about here is, is a principle of works or a principle of grace in the abstract, which is totally different. Uh, Which are you going to inherit the promise by, um, is the question then. Um, Frame says, when Christ died, believers died to sin in him. When he arose, uh, believers rose to newness of life. It is thus that believers are united to Christ. God sees believers as being in Christ so that their sin becomes his and his righteousness becomes theirs. Even the merit of Christ is transferred or imputed to the believer so that in Christ he merits or deserves salvation. So you see what he's doing there. It's what I feared earlier on when I mentioned that a few episodes back. Um, again, it's kind of blurring the two to 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 show that the analogy stands and therefore there's no difference between works and grace or, or there's very little difference. But what we would simply say to that is, uh, you know, if we don't deserve it by Christ, by our own works, that's just the bottom line. Um, we deserve it based on Christ's works. Um, and, you know, had Adam succeeded, he would have deserved it based on his own works. And so, Frame wants to minimize that at every point, which I think is crazy. And so, he's trying to trump up the fact that believers have, you know, uh, rewards given as a result of their good works. But this is not the same thing. Um, I love what Gil says about this. You know, when a believer gets rewarded, um, what would God is giving the grace and rewarding the grace. <laughs> so it's a reward for grace given. You know, it's just very, very different at every level to what was called of in terms of uh, what Adam needed to do and what Christ did do. Um, Adam would have received it not by reward given to grace, but rather uh, by reward for his own works, and certainly that's the case with Christ, um, notwithstanding these other qualifications that we've kept in mind uh, before. And so I don't like the way he wants to minimize that, and I feel like that's probably what it comes down to. Um, you know, we need to make sure that that those points do stay quite distinct. Um, all right, so that's all I wanted to talk about this Monday, and um, and that takes us on to one of my favorite topics and a good two kingdom tuesday slash client slash frame topic the holy and the common cult and culture we'll deal with that uh tomorrow so if you're interested stay with me otherwise give it a skip and i'll see you back on wednesday